Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back from Christmas break. It is Coaching Chatter Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Joining me, as always, is Craig Ladd and Kurt Page. How are you gentlemen doing? Did you have a great Christmas? Did, Corey. Thank you very much. Hope you had a great one, too. It was uh, a nice break. Uh, uh, unfortunately, eventful in Nashville for uh, nothing that I had anything to do, but uh, it, it yeah, it made it quite different, uh, not only because of COVID and then also the bombing in Nashville. It just it, it dominated everything in Middle Tennessee. Yeah, no doubt. It was uh, definitely interesting. And, you know, I, I, I keep going back and forth on whether or not I heard the blast or not. Um, I heard something that sounded almost like a faint thunder. And now the more I think about it, that's that's probably what it what it is. Uh, so, yeah, we are uh, – we're coming to you live from all over the map. We are truly an SEC footprint show. Um, I'm coming to you from Nashville. Craig's coming to you from East Middle Tennessee. And Kurt Page, how are things going down in South Alabama? We are at Orange Beach and uh, checking in with coaches chatter. A uh, lot, of, lot of stuff going on, a lot of college bowl games. Uh, just great time to great time to be alive and uh, just looking forward to 21. Uh, the year coming in pretty soon. Well, it's coming in hot. So um, we are brought to you by betonline.ag. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner, really right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in on. So if you're thinking about taking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship, or if you're thinking someone might jump up there and upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to BetOnline right now, uh, betonline.ag. So uh, I took. Uh, they have a bowl pick'em uh, thing, and I don't know some of the some of the other games are locked, but uh, they have like bowl selections, and um, it's like a contest, and, and whoever I guess scores most points, I, I guess you you win a you win a prize. So you can go on there and look at that, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these some of these bowl games, uh, the ones that haven't got canceled yet. So from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always an online casino as well that never closes. I'm a big blackjack man myself. So head to so head to betonline.ag take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again. That's betonline.ag sign up today. Betonline, your online sports book experts. Guys, we got an action packed show. A lot a lot of happening in the world of football. Uh, we got the Georgia State Finals. Uh, the Holy Coast offense getting ready to kick off here in about an hour and a half or so. Uh, Oconee County is uh, looking to lock up a state championship under head coach Brad Johnson. Auburn has found their man. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian won the Bryles Award. There's some uh, assistant coach movings happening, uh, some that are not happening that are kind of concerning. And, of course, 
uh, something you may have heard of uh, that uh, college football playoff thing. I don't know somewhere down the road um, in some of the bowl games. So uh, we got a lot to talk about, guys. Let's uh, let's start with Auburn. Uh, they found their guy. So Kurt, you're down there, the Auburn Mafia. You're you're running from them. Uh, they keep they keep snatching your yeah. internet away from you. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a big big surprise. But I tell you what, the guy has been able to do uh, uh, really good results with less. And I tell you, when you're competing against Nick Saban and the, and the Alabama uh, machine, the Alabama nation, you've got to uh, develop your kids. And he's he's shown a track record of that. And let's not forget that he replaced Gus Malzahn at Arkansas State. So he's taken over his group of guys. And uh, he did a big Zoom very first day. And uh, he'll start meeting with those guys. And they're in a bowl game. So he'll watch them practice. And I think he's going to be in attendance uh, so it came from kind of left field, didn't it, Craig? No, I agree with you, Kurt. I mean, I, you never saw his name out there. Uh, I mean, I think the the backstory is all of the wrangling, all the power struggle that ended up going on with uh, some influential boosters that tried to influence the quote-unquote committee that was uh, selecting uh, the coach, uh, basically wanted to uh, power their way into getting – uh, still hired as the head coach and ended up not happening. Uh, Alan Green ended up uh, flexing his muscles and got uh, support from the school president. And um, they end up uh, hiring uh, Harson. You know, 69-19 at Boise State. As you mentioned, Kurt was a head coach one year at Arkansas State. Also, he, you know, his Arkansas, he played, was a backup quarterback at, uh, at Arkansas for Houston Nutt. Also, uh, was OC at Texas for a couple of years. So, uh, you know, and, and then he also interviewed for that Arkansas job back in 2019 that ultimately went to uh, Chad Moore. So, uh, you know, it remains to be seen uh, how much hit and miss uh, this job was for other for others. Uh, for example, Billy Napier, uh, how serious of an option was he? Did he take his name out of consideration? You know, Steve Scar- uh, Sarkeesian, uh, got a, a nice little bump. Uh, his name was mentioned there. $3.5 million now for offensive coordinator at Alabama. A, a nice little bump in his his play. You know, you wonder about Hugh Freeze, how serious of a candidate he was. Uh, what I've been reading was he's, he wasn't really seriously considered in that. And also, I think Brent Venable's name was mentioned in there. He's making $2.4 million as Dabo Sweeney's uh, uh uh, defense coordinator, so you wonder about that. And, and the tug on him from what, what I've been reading is, you know, he, he gets to coach his two sons uh, that are at Clemson. So I guess at this point he, he's not ready to make that move. So, you know, uh, pretty interesting. Obviously we talked about, uh, you know, as much money as they are having to pay Gus Malzahn, uh, getting your number one choice. Needless to say, uh, this, is, this was not the number one choice. Yeah, I mean they, uh, they, I feel like they bungled the search from the, from the start. They fired Gus Malzahn, and I think they had Hugh Freeze on their mind, uh, thinking that he would just waltz right in, saying, "Okay, our job's open. Here we go. Come on in." And he didn't. It didn't end up working out. And I don't know how. I don't know if Greg Sankey shot it down. I don't know if Auburn did some vetting and decided we're not going to try to touch that or. Uh, Hugh Freeze said, nah, thanks, but no thanks, or whatever. But then they go down the line. They start getting no's and no's and no's. And Tennessee fans 
are all too familiar with this whole thing. And so where I think it differs is I, I think Auburn rumbled, bumbled, and stumbled into a good hire. Like Brian Harson was not on the radar. That's pretty obvious. He's probably their sixth choice. But they may have ended up with their best option. I don't know how good Bill Clark would have been. He did a, He's done a great job and is doing a great job at UAB. He said no. Uh, Billy Napier took his name out of the hat. He's done a good job at, at uh, Louisiana. So we don't know if something is brewing down, at, uh, down the road at, in Baton Rouge at LSU. I don't know if he's waiting on that or if he's just happy at Louisiana or if he's just not – he just wasn't interested in the Auburn job. There's some variables in that Auburn position that make it – a great job, and then there's other variables that make it a terrible job. Um, and I think the the fact that the influence that the boosters were trying to have and trying to trying to ramrod uh, Kevin Steele into that position was a major factor in why it was just bungled from the start. And then I think uh, I think Green stepped in and said, "You know what? We got to hire somebody." And so they went out and got Brian Harson. And Brian Harson said, "Yeah, absolutely. I'm. Well, when can I sign up? Can can I sign right now?" So, so Kurt, what what do you think happened with this hire? What do you think Brian Harson brings to the table? You know, was this the right move? Was you know, should they have gone harder after somebody else? I mean, what do you think? Well, just going back for history, because history does repeat itself. Years ago, you know, they they uh, flew on planes. Uh, the same group of guys from Auburn. Uh, powerful alumni. They flew on planes and went and uh, with a coach in the seat. They had a head coach in the seat. They went and uh, and, and talked to other people, uh, kind of behind his back. You know, they took the plane and went. So this is not unprecedented for Auburn. Uh, this time they just fired Malzahn first and then went and did the search. And like we both, like we all three have said, you know, the boosters there at Auburn really have always controlled the show. Uh, even back with Pat Dye and before that, Shug Jordan. So I think it's, um, you know, the only person in Alabama that's really got them calmed down is Nick Saban. Alabama has the same type of boosters. Uh, they're, 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 they're lengthy, they're, 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 they're wealthy, and they're influential. But uh, with his uh, pedigree and his, uh, his influence, he's able to control them. So with Brian Hartson, I think that's the AD. I think that's uh, uh, Mr. Green. He's, he's a Notre Dame man. Uh, he knows – what development looks like. You know, he played – he was a college baseball player at Notre Dame. So he's been around that program and seen it. And and I, and I know he had a good reach with inside. But I agree with you, Corey. I think it's going to end up being a really good move. Uh, the guy develops players for the NFL. He gets two, three, four stars. And, Craig, we've always talked about that. Is you've got to get, you've got to get people that want to develop their players. And, uh, and I really believed in starting to look more into this guy. I think mm-hmm. – and he runs uh, – you know, let's don't forget, he's the guy that called the play as an offensive coordinator, the real famous play against Oklahoma, where the guy ran a double reverse and won yeah. the two-point play. Yeah. He'll bring that to uh, to them, Craig, and, and I know there's some other things that you that you know about that, that situation that you'd like to add to it. So uh, I'd just like you to take, take, the, uh, take the reins and run with it. Auburn War Eagle. <laughs> well, you know, guys, I, I think the thing you look at, that 69-19 and 19 record, uh, he wins with less. Obviously, Boise State's nowhere near an Auburn as far as recruiting budget and, and the scope of recruiting territory that you have. So you have to look at that point saying, hey, 
you know, we give this guy even more resources and he has even more fertile ground to recruit in, how much better is he going to do? I mean, it looks to be – it looks like a win-win situation. And, and, and let's be honest, guys. I, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I would highly doubt – I would highly doubt that he was even on the radar. I would say probably his, some of his people contacted uh, Auburn and said, hey, we're, we're interested in this job. I, I don't think he was nowhere anywhere in the top five, maybe top ten. But if he was in, this top, in the top ten, I'd say it was at the bottom of the top ten. But, hey, you know, sometimes you, you come into you, – you luck into a good hire, and this has the possibilities of being a good hire now. Who's he, he, it's you know he's not hired any assistants that as I'm, I'm aware of. He has a lot of Arkansas ties, obviously. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who he gets as his coordinators uh, and assistant coaches. Obviously, it makes a huge difference. I, I'm sure he's going to keep some of the Auburn staff on because of the fact that uh, you know they they know the territory, they know the the situation as far as the recruiting. So it's going to be interesting to see who he ends up hiring. Yeah, I'm curious to see how many he brings with him from Boise, how many Arkansas State uh, connections and Texas connections that he brings uh, with him to the table. So very good hire, I think, for Auburn. Uh, you know, I, I questioned the process. I, it was it was about as roller coaster as you could get. It was almost laughable. And uh, something that Tennessee could learn from this is that I think the difference is Auburn, they didn't panic. They said, okay, we're going to go outside the box. There's a head coach out there way out west that that is proven, and we're going to go get him. And Tennessee was just like, oh, okay, Jeremy Pruitt, and then it, it's it's starting to blow up in their face. And and so, time will tell if this is an actual good hire or not. I I think the potential is there because he has built. He stepped in for Gus at Arkansas State, cruised to a conference title uh, in the Sun Belt. Then he goes, uh, and then as a head coach at Boise, they had that run of of success there where they kept winning the, the, the mountain West and this year they kind of stumbled, but you know, San Jose state was, was a team that just came literally out of nowhere um, and just outplayed them uh, for most of the season. And it was a very disjointed season. So how much stock could you really put into that? But you know, what I like about uh, Harson is that um, you know, he's going to use his weapons and he's going to uh, he, he's going to mix up formations. He's got an actual system uh, that that I, I think that they're they were lacking here at all. I think Auburn got to a point where they were just trying to find plays that worked, and you know not really within a system. And I think Harson's gonna you know Harson his history of running backs put being put in the NFL that's good. Uh, you know he's got some tight ends that are good. He's got some receivers. He does really good things with slot receivers. Uh, so I'm excited to kind of see what he brings to the table. As far as that goes, how he uses his weapons, uh, Eli Stove, Anthony Schwartz, uh, Seth Williams is gone. Um, I, would, I don't. He was gone regardless. Uh, Tank Bigsby, I think, has got to be excited. I think once he really kind of looks at Boise State tape and says, oh, "Okay, this guy uses running backs really effectively." So, Kurt, you know, what do you notice about Brian Harson's system uh, that excites you about this hire? I, I think you're right. Your point on Corey, everything you just said. Uh, the big thing is these players nowadays they can go and see. The guys that he's got, he's got he's got skins on the wall. He's got guys in the NFL. He's got championships in conference. Uh, he plays exciting brand of football. He's energetic. He's going to bring everything that they need, and he's going to continue. He's a leader and a learner. 
So he's going to continue to evolve his offense around his players, his playmakers. I see Bo Nix taking a huge step up. I thought uh, the hire for Chad Morris would be good for him last year. But, you know, guys with COVID-19, they didn't get the time they needed with that guy. And uh, I think Hartson, the coach, I think he'll have time with Bo Nix to develop him. And also, I'm sure they're out recruiting. They may have somebody on campus. They may get a transfer to, to uh, compete. Bo Nix needs competition. He needs to know uh, that there's somebody – there's always somebody ready to replace you, whatever position you're in, whatever title you have, and you got to work and, and bring and grind every day. So I, I'm really fortunate. I'm really happy for Bo Nix, happy for Auburn. Uh, speaking about comparing the comparisons with Tennessee and Auburn hire, Auburn got to hire a guy that's been in that head coaching seat and so unfortunate for Coach Pruitt to be in that head coaching seat for the first time and that to be in the SEC East at the University of Tennessee. That's a tough, uh, that's a tough thing to get in that saddle. And, but, you know, this offseason, you know, there's already – he's lost what – what is it, Craig? You help us with the staff, a couple assistants. We think there's going yeah. to be a change with some coordinators. So maybe speak to that just briefly, Craig, uh, being Tennessee guy. Well, yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, of course, they, he fired uh, Jimmy Brumbaugh, the defensive line coach, during the season. And then uh, just recently, Will Friend, the offensive line coach, moved over to South Carolina uh, to join Shane Beamer. Uh, there, there was a relationship with Mike Bobo. Friend came from Colorado State where he coached with Bobo. Uh, so there is a relation. But there, there are two, obviously, two openings at the University of Tennessee uh, for that. But uh, – you know, guys, uh, we talk. I'm gonna, let me go back to the Harson thing a little bit. He, he also, guys, I think this is important too. He had a very Auburn friendly buyout, meaning it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that's it. And when you're going to be owing Gus Malzahn eleven million dollars in thirty days, which is now less than that, um, that's something you're looking at. That that actually, you know, that I'm sure that helped Harson. Uh, get 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 the job. I'm sure that was a factor in it. Not only is he a good coach, but you know you're not shelling out a lot as far as the buyout goes. So I mean that's 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 a huge part of it. Also the money factor in that, and 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 you talk about Tennessee. The money factor is there for that. If if they decide to get rid of uh, Pruitt, Pruitt and his assistants, uh, roughly 18 million dollars. If you want to get rid of Pruitt and his assistants, a lot of money. Yeah, let me speak to that. I, th- I think he's solid. I think he's going to probably have a little, uh, a little budget to, to bring in to, to, to make some adjustments with his staff. I think he's solid. I think he's going to be good. I think Coach Former understands the dynamics, understands this year. But like Corey, you've already mentioned to it, he's probably already met with him and said, these are improvements we got to have. What, can you speak to that, Corey, your philosophy on that for Tennessee? Because you're – you know, you've seen it in the SEC East, that footprint for years, and you know yeah. how yeah. good they can be. Yeah, they can be great. I mean, they, they have a lot of talent on the roster right now. I mean, Pruitt, if there's something that he's done well, it's recruiting. I mean, he's brought in some talent. Now, as far as capitalizing and, and uh, maximizing that talent, that has been the area of concern, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I think they've been pretty good. Um, they've been inconsistent, but they've been pretty good overall. Uh, but offensively, I just think they need to shake up the staff. I think they need uh, a new coordinator. I think they need, you know, some of the assistants could come or go, uh, you know, whatever the new coordinator needs. But I think, 
in this day and age, you need somebody that's going to open some things up uh, offensively. I, I think I think ground and pound, or <laughs> as people uh, call it, grunt and punt. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that Georgia fans called it that with, uh, with when Cheney was in when that was in Athens. It was the grunt and punt. Wow, I love that, Coach Burton. Grunt and punt. Yeah, I I love that almost as much. And I'm putting I'm putting Craig Ladd on the spot. What was the second half point differential Coach Cheney produced in 2020 season? What was those numbers again? Oh, uh, I, I don't know exactly. Like I said, but it, it was after half. It was astronomical. After the, the half, it was brutal. It was all grunt and punt after that. I love yeah. that, it, Coach Burton. It was, it was brutal. Hey, you can. But you, you, but you saw it. that for years, right, Coach Burton? Yeah. You saw that for years. Yeah, and, and if right you when, watch, uh, and, he, and he's a good. He's a good. Let's say, let's say this. Cheney is a good transitional coach for a defensive-minded coach. The first uh-huh. what? First what, two, couple, first couple yeah. seasons. First two, yeah, two so three he's, seasons. He's, he's served out, and guess what? He's he's a wealthy man, and he'll land on his feet somewhere. I mean, yeah, he'll be no the doubt. next offensive line. He might be the offensive line coach at Auburn. You know, who knows? That's how those guys. That's how they. You know, yeah. that's how they do it. So he may be there. Yeah, I mean, he's not a bad coach. He's just right. philosophy-wise, he's just not a good fit. Right. And for what you need in, in today's college football is is somebody that not not necessarily abandoning the run, but somebody that's gonna that's gonna use great balance. And when I say balance, I don't mean like fifty percent run, fifty percent pass. I mean like you're using all your weapons. Right. You know, all, you, you can't right. use all your weapons uh, equally. But for the most part, I think you know you, you need have to have it's point well taken. You have to have that. Uh, uh, the defense has a has a respect all the weapon weapons. Yeah, exactly. Then you, then you take it where you want to take it as a co- play caller. Quarterback mm-hmm. uh, knows what to do. Yeah, but yeah. You know um, that that's for years and years and years. Auburn has been ineffective. I mean, I can remember back with Bo Jackson and those guys and and uh, uh, James Cribs and and uh, you know. So I mean, and on and on and on. So, but yeah, you're right. So Auburn. Auburn will get to use their weapons with the new coach, and Tennessee yeah. has to get their weapons. And yeah. you know the, the 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 thing is, with you know said about recruiting, you know Tennessee's going they're going they're losing guys on offense. You know, yeah. uh, uh, two quarterbacks have already left. You know, and were they that good? You know, well, who was coaching them? You know, yeah, exactly. Let's see how they do when they one's going already uh, transferring to Colorado, uh, yeah. like Coach Mister Ladd. Yeah, Trout. Yes, uh, Garantano is out there. He's probably entertaining some offers right now, you know, waiting maybe for bowl season. Uh, Miami's quarterback, how injured is Derek King's knee? You know, that could be opening up for somebody, yep. you know, because that, that, their coaches, their offensive coordinator is a, a beautiful play play caller. Coach Burton, you, you love yeah. him, right? Yeah, Rhett so, Lashley. I, I think he yeah. kind of got scapegoated when he was with Gus. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. And, same, same thing that's yeah. kind of, I mean, you know, get you another year, my zone, get you a new coordinator, you know, and that, yeah. that's, they all knew that. We knew that yeah. was coming. Writing was yeah. on the wall. Yep. And it was going to be the same for Chad Morris, no matter what anybody yeah. said, it was yeah. going to be the same thing. Yeah. Gus just can't give up control. And that's what ultimately did him in. So that's right. For Tennessee's sake, yeah. they, they need to find a good coordinator. Now they need to find right. that, that next right. guy that's going to, okay, right. we, we got him to this point. Right. Okay. Now let's get somebody to, blow it across the finish line and and right. they've got the pieces you know and, they've got to craig, add a few more but they've yeah, got craig, the pieces. speak to the defensive coordinator he, he's a really up-and-coming guy for tennessee was it Derek An- ansley yeah Derek talk, talk about yeah. i mean we we, we kind of and hopefully coach perch listening to us some 
he really needs to turn reins over to that guy and be the head coach, you know, and, you know, walk around and get to be the head coach. Not he's, he, he relegated himself to the defensive line coach, you know, this whole season really. And, and, and leadership showed that. So speak to Derek Ansley, because I think if he gives that up, that's his baby defense. Yes. And then he can be more in tune and more active with the new offensive coordinator and give him more support. Well, and similarly to what you spoke about, Gus at Auburn not being able to give up the offense, I think that's the case at Tennessee with uh, Pruitt and the defense. Uh, you know, Ainsley uh, was – pedigree is unquestioned. He came – they hired him away from the Raiders. You know, obviously Alabama connects with him. So he's highly thought of uh, defensively. Uh, so, you know, you wonder uh, how much uh, Pruitt – Maybe they're going to tell him. It says, "Look, part of the reason you, we're you're keep we're going to keep you another year. You're going to have to pull back away from and let your defensive coordinator be the defensive coordinator." Uh, and you know, we'll see uh, as far as d- the defensive line coach. Uh, you know, Bo Davis's name has been mentioned uh, as 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 a possibility. But you know, there's other openings. LSU has an opening right now for their defensive line, so they're they're going to be in a lot of different um, hirings, uh, and there's going to be a lot of guys in demand. Once I think once the bowl season's over, we're going to see a huge hiring and firing uh, uh, spectacle go on in college football. I, I really think that, and it, it's going to be fast and furious. And, you know, you mentioned Rhett Lashley. I've seen his name connected with the offensive coordinator job at uh, LSU. So, that would be a great we'll hire see. for them. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see about yeah, that. Also, amen. also we're talking about LSU, uh, former Mississippi State coach and and current Oregon or OC Joe Moorhead. Seen his name mentioned prominently. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of movement out there. And so which makes coaching for chatter. Coaching chatter. Coaching chatter is going to be busy. Chatter, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to chatter it up. <laughs> yeah. What 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 do you want to get into next, Coach Burton? We want to transition into what what you got us going to next, partner. Well, uh, you know, let, let's let's look at what you know. Some of the assistant movement, uh, we, we've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but Shane Beamer very decisively is building his staff quite nicely. Um, you know, we that was a that was a hire that I was scratching my head at at first, but now that, that as more time passes, he's become more and more decisive. He knows what he wants. He's got a plan. Now we just got to see how he recruits uh, in a full cycle, and we got to see what he's like uh, on game day. But as of right now, he, he's winning the offseason at South Carolina. He's making very decisive hires. And then on the flip side, Kurt, before I get to you, um, some, inact- some inactivity down at Vandy. What's Clark Lee doing? Is he too wrapped up in preparation for Alabama that he can't make hires? Can he not multitask? What's, what's going on at what, – what's the latest at Vandy? Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the job that Shane Beamer is doing at uh, South Carolina? Well, I, I, first I'd like to comment on South Carolina, Shane Binger. I think he had a great plan for interviewing, uh, and I think he he basically shared his plan with the AD and the president. And I want to relate him a comparison to him to John Harbaugh. That's who I really been scratching my head. Who is he remind me of? He's got a special teams. He's got a, a, a big a big pedigree in recruiting. He's mm-hmm. got his dad that is a a, a, a famous coach. Yep. John Harbaugh is, it, you know, he learned to coach from under Jack. his dad. I think Shane Beamer has learned to coach. But however, both of these guys, John Harbaugh and more importantly Shane Beamer, because he's in our SEC footprint, 
is he went outside and learned from some of the best. Yeah. Uh, you know, going to work in, work in Oklahoma, one of the best play callers in our, in our era. Uh, so, so I think he's bringing all that to South Carolina. Going to be a tough team to play. Brand new facilities. Uh, has got great uh, uh, support from all the alumni. I mean, he is a rallying. He's getting all the guys in there. Spurrier is in his fan club. Uh, Lou Holtz is in the fan club. He's got it going. I'm proud of him. Now, speaking of Vanderbilt, Clark Lee, I think he's doing a great job. I like the quiet before the storm. I think he's at Notre Dame. I think he's – this is an audition. If he can keep his defense on the field, he tried against Clemson. And I get it. Uh, they had they had all to lose, nothing to gain. Clemson, they were going to put everything they had into that game, and it showed Notre Dame was never comp- never competed with them. Okay, he wants he wants to show the world that he can get his defense up to snuff for this game versus Alabama. Will he? I don't know. But as far as recruiting coaches and organizing his staff, I think he will do a great job. I think he is doing a great job. I'm okay with the quietness because I know the guy understands where he's going, understands where he's been, and understands just he's in the present right now. And, you know, right now these, these coaches can't be on the road recruiting anyway, you know, with all the, the limitations. So everybody's the same. you got to Zoom with the recruits. you got to call them on the phone. So no better way to be in the national semifinal game and just having a periphery of calls, you know, set up by somebody – and he can kind of just get in there and talk to him, be on the field. And so I, so I look for great, great things from, from, from his Notre Dame uh, flagship passing on to Vanderbilt. And I think he'll bring great coordinator, offense, defense, special teams, and just look forward to what, how he's going to design the whole thing. I'm excited about it. I'm all in. Craig, are you echoing those points, or is there anything else that we need to well, hear I, I want to say this. I want to say this about South Carolina. Um, I think Beamer's done a good job of uh, keeping some of the guys that were previously on uh, Muschamp's uh, staff, uh, notably Tracy Rocker, who has a huge Southeast connection with where he's been, Auburn, Tennessee, et cetera. Uh, kept Mike Bobo, uh, form, obviously a former Georgia star, you know, there's the connection there. And then the hire Will Friend at UT, who – to be quite honest, who spearheaded probably the top offensive line recruits that Tennessee has in five-star Darnell Wright from West Virginia and five-star Wayne Morris from Georgia. He, he was the main recruiter there. So I think he's done a really good job of uh, with his staff. I, I'm very impressed with the hires he's had. Now, the chatter is right now that the leader in the clubhouse for the defensive coordinator job is Derek Mason. Ooh, that would be a home run. I like yeah. the pun too, by the way. Um, yes, <laughs> the, the chatter. Uh, that that would be a that would be an amazing, amazing hire, defensive coordinator, if he could, if he can make that happen. Derek Mason is as talented as it gets. You know, he, he yeah, was. He, mentioned, he, I was going to say he was mentioned too. You know, he's been mentioned with LSU, but uh, you know, from from what I, it, it appears that that if there's going to be a hire, an imminent hire coming, it's going to be Mason going to South Carolina. I, I think that would that would be a great fit for him. I think it'd be a, he knows the division. A, he knows he knows the East exactly. Coach Burton exactly. You know, there's not a whole lot of difference in the East and the West, except you got the number one team in America for the last ten years in your division at LSU versus Alabama. LSU got it for one year, 
is, 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 it, it goes back to Alabama. So if you're in the SEC East at South Carolina, you get those guys on the map playing hard. You win seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You can play for the SEC East. You can represent the SEC East from South Carolina. It's been done. Coach Spur did it, and they know they can do it. I think Derek Mason. I think that's a great, a great mention, Craig Ladd. I, 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 I would, I would rubber stamp that and get him in there as quick as I could if I was the AD at South Carolina, the president. I would go and fly and find where he's at right now and get him on board. Yeah, and I think uh, there's something to be said about having former head coaches on your staff. I mean, you look at what Kirby has at Georgia with uh, with Matt Luke as his offensive line coach, head coaching experience. He can, you know, bring another perspective there. Todd Monken is offensive coordinator. He's been a head coach before as well. Um, you know, you look at Shane Beamer bringing in uh, possibly Derek Mason. That would be huge in his transition. You know, I, I think that Bobo. Nick, Bobo. Mike, yeah, Bo- Mike Bobo. Bobo. Yeah, already has oh, Bobo. Yeah. Um, then you look at, you know, Alabama with Sarkeesian. Um, and, you know, Nick Saban is is the greatest of all time, not because of what he knows, but the people he surrounds himself with. Because he's not afraid. His ego's not too big to say, okay, you've been a head coach here before. I need some fresh ideas. Like, he brought a guy in from he, – he's brought two people in from the West Coast, Kiffin and Sarkeesian. To, to help him with new perspective. I mean, the guy's always gaining perspective. And, you know, that's a Belichick thing. That's, a, you know, all that stuff. So, so Kurt, speak to that. Yeah, great points, Coach Burton. Great points. Uh, and also, look who's who's studying this. Our guy at Kentucky, Mike Stoops. Yeah. He doesn't he didn't go to the Gulf Coast. He doesn't go to the East Coast. He goes to the West Coast. He brings the L.A. Rams. Yeah. Assistant coach there, quarterbacks coach, and to be his offensive coordinator. Exactly. So, uh, point well taken. You know, uh, you, you study greatness. You study champions. If you want to go from good to great, you got to do what the great people do. And, and it, you know, it, you got to study those people. And that's a, those are great points. And that's what Kentucky's doing. And they're, they're going to make a jump, too. And they're in the SEC East. I mean, oh, my gosh, SEC East is going to be, you know, that might be – we might be trending – uh, for the SEC East this time next year, you know, playing for playing for a, a, a Final Four bid. Yeah, I mean the the whole conference I think has improved. I mean the West has has always been the West. I mean you got Ole Miss rising in the West. Uh, Arkansas is going to be even tougher next year. Um, Mississippi State it, they can only go up. Um, LSU is only going to get better. They they've you know they've got some hires to make. We'll see if they can uh, they can get there. Um, but you know you know the East is is, is rising, Craig. Well, I was going to say, too, and I, I, let me bring this point up. We talked about Sark. Uh, he's, he's going to get $3.5 million to, to, be, to continue to be offensive coordinator at Alabama. That doesn't suck. I'll, po- I'll pose this question to you guys. That's obviously a lot of money, and, and we've had him connected to the Arizona job. We had him connected to the Auburn job, and he's not taking either one of them. Does that mean that he is the coach in waiting in Alabama? It's That's got the to. Question. It's got to. I mean, three point yeah, five. He did absolutely. a great job when Saban had uh, COVID. When he had the COVID scare uh, earlier in the season, he did a great job managing practice. Uh, ultimately, he didn't have to co- be the head coach in that game. But uh, then, when he had COVID against Auburn, he did a phenomenal job. You know, running running thing. And and people will be like, "Oh, that's Saban. That's Saban. That's Saban." But yeah, to a certain to a certain extent, you still got to manage the game on your own. You don't have Saban there with you to manage the game, and he managed the game beautifully. So he has proven 
in a very small sample size, Kurt, he has proven that he can handle the rigors of the Alabama head job. And I, I, awesome. And let's look at let's look at Saban, one of his dearest friends, and who he spends time with in the off season because we all spend time with with our with our with our mentors and, and people that are like minded. He spends time with Belichick, who's his offensive coordinator, who went to the Indianapolis Colts, accepted the job, got back on the plane, talked to Belichick. I mean, his offensive coordinator, right, Coach Burke? Yeah, Josh McDaniels. Josh, he's not going anywhere. No. His name, his name, you know, you know, they're not going to let. He's going to be the heir apparent for New England Patriots. So the two marquee positions, I think, Craig Ladd, you hit it. You you hammered that. You hit the hammer on the nail right there. Basically, they've got their coach. They know what they want. Saban wants continuity. The, uh, the, the, the AD wants continuity. The president, the community, everybody. You know, and now Patriots, they took a step back, but they took a step back, and then that's post-Tom uh, Brady. So yeah, now they, they go into they the had, draft. Yeah, they, they go into the draft. Outs. Yeah, defensive stars. Uh, the linebacker from uh, Marshall County, Craig Ladd, he yeah. took the Hightower. Hightower. Yeah. Hightower. Yeah. Dante Hightower. So they'll be back. But I, but I think coaches, you know, coaches are, you know, they, they talk. And, and so he's got his guy. And now we can all agree that Alabama has their guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, 3.5 million, uh, he's probably got to buy out to leave as assistant coach, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm sure. You don't so invest it's, it's that kind exciting. of money. It's exciting. No, you don't, you don't invest that type of money. You're exactly right. He's making a million dollars more. Than any assistant anywhere near him, right? I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's oh, yeah. easily big land. by so at least a million, the highest pay. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And Venables so has got to be looking at this, going, yeah, yeah. He's getting mm. a, he's getting a pay raise. You know, now yeah. he's got to show up and uh, you know he's got to do and and, and Dabo they uh, and we'll talk about the, the, these upcoming games, but uh, they got to take care of business with Ohio State and and he does his fair share. And I think I think you guys head on a good. You know, he gets to coach his sons at Clemson. Yeah. They've grown up in Clemson. He has no reason to leave. They've raised in Clemson. They've wore that orange. They've run down that hill. They've touched the rock, Frank Howard Rock. I mean, that you know, this is their time, you know. And, and, and you know, in coaching, as, as we all have children, yours are younger. Huck is younger. Yeah. You'll, get, you'll go through that. I went through that with my three. Craig, you did that with your son, you know, through sports. You, 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 you give them their chance to have their time, and we all – that doing that, and we understand that with Venables, no doubt. Great points today, man. Great well, let's points. let's get into these games then, uh, Craig. Unless you have anything further to add, we'll we'll, no, we'll get into I, these I, games. You know, I, I, like I said, I, the, my last point is, you know, a lot of times those coaching waitings don't work because the quote unquote person in waiting uh, gets tired of waiting over a long period of time, and mm-hmm. you wonder. Uh, Saban strikes me as one of those guys that's going to be you, you don't have to get him out of there kicking and screaming. He's not want to doesn't is not going to want to give it up. I may be totally wrong. Just like Belichick, they they love the control, they love the power of it, and you wonder if something really comes along that intrigues Sark. Will he step out away from that? That's going to be interesting to see how long he's willing to wait. I think it's a great point, but let's go. Let's go see that. Uh, let's look at Florida State. Okay? okay, Bobby Bowden was there. He he started that program. Went from a girls' college to let's have a football team, basically, and he grew it and built it. And he didn't want to leave. 
you know. And Jimbo Fisher was the coach in waiting. There was a tough transition there when, you know, they may not have, you know, they finally just declared it's time to go. You yeah, know? they shoved him out. They shoved him out, and, you know, and even Jimbo. But, hey, what did he do? He produced a national championship. So I, I think things are, you know, it's going to be hard. I think you're right on it, man. Belichick and Saban, you know, they look at – their guys, I don't think, that hunt. They don't fish. They don't golf. They, they're ball coaches, you know. And I think Spurrier was the same way. But Spurrier does golf, you know. Plays a lot of golf. Belichick a fishes. Belichick's fishes. a big okay. fisher. He fishes See, off Nantucket. He's got the coaching chair that I didn't know. He, he, like he hooks Johnson. up with Jimmy Johnson all the time That's down at Key West. I, I knew that. Like, he goes down there a lot to the Keys and they fish. I, I knew that, but. You know, but but I, I, you but know, even that's Saban, professional development. Yeah, professional. Yes, and Saban, and Saban, Saban uh, is going to be there a long time. And and, and uh, I mean, three years from now, he's the assistant coaches might be making five million dollars. That's a pretty good living in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, knowing that you're going to get that big seat making probably by then twelve or fifteen million. So, you know. Do you go to Arizona? Well, he didn't even – how far is Auburn from Tuscaloosa? He didn't even make the trip over to talk to the guy. So He's not I interested in leaving right now either. No, I, and I, I think mean, the 3.5, I mean, that's good living anywhere, and it's really good living in, in Alabama, in yeah. any state in the southeast. And, and knowing the players you get to coach, I mean, wow, the offense he does, what he does is exciting. Yeah. And speaking of that, let's get to the let's get to those playoff games. Let's talk yeah. about it. So, they're sorry. coming, right? They're coming, man. They're coming. They're right around the corner. So uh, the first game up is the Rose Bowl from not Pasadena, but uh, Arlington, Texas, uh, which is weird to say. But uh, that's where Sarkeesian is preparing for right now. He's preparing for Clark Lee's defense at Notre Dame. And Clark Lee's got his hands full with this offense. They've got a, they've got three Heisman finalists over there uh, on the Crimson Tide sideline, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, and Devontae Smith. All You can make an argument for all three of them. A legitimate argument as to uh, who deserves the Heisman. Uh, so, you know, a big game here, a big proving ground for Notre Dame. The last time these two met uh, wasn't pretty, uh, to say the least. I, I think um, Alabama was starting to fight on the sidelines over uh, who get to score the next touchdown. Um, it, it's like, you know, when, when you're in a heater in baseball and you're fighting at the bat rack to see who can get up to the plate. I think that's what Alabama was doing. They were mad because they couldn't keep scoring. Um so, so Notre Dame's got a lot of re- redemption to, to to make up. The last time they were in the playoffs, they get thumped thirty to three at the hands of Clemson. So, what, Craig? I'll start with you. What do, does Notre Dame have any shot here? How do they slow down that high-powered offensive attack for Alabama? They don't. It's that simple. They don't. I, I'm a, I'm sitting here thinking, guys. I, I can't think of a more potent offense that I that I've seen since I've been following college football, which has been a long time, than this all this Alabama team. It, it's unbelievable. How does it compare and, to last it, year's LSU? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I would take Alabama over over them just because I think, you know, I like the running and tackling them. And I think – I mean, look at how much more potent it would be if, if Waddle was there. And he got hurt. I mean, Devonta Smith is unbelievable. I, I, pointed, I found this stat here. During the regular season, he only had two drops in 106 targets, and then 73.5% of his receptions were for first downs. I mean, it's, it's incredible. 
Are you telling me Devontae Smith is pretty good at football? I think he's pretty good. And the fact that he – and the fact, guys, let's, let's look at this too. He was named AP Player of the Year. That's never happened for a wide receiver since that award started in 1998. So, he is unbelievable. And then you got Matt Jones. We, we talk about player development. Three-star guy coming out of Jacksonville, Florida. Not really that – not really how to, touted. You know. 32 touchdowns, four interceptions, completing 76% of the passes. And then you got a bull and Najee Harris, 1,262 yards, 24 touchdowns. I just, they are so, so impressive on offense. And that offensive line, they just lean on you and lean on you. Uh, they can beat you in so many ways. Uh, that's what is so impressive about Alabama. And the fact that they're loaded with, you know, the team overall is just loaded with first-round picks. Todd McShay has come out and said he's projecting six Alabama players to be selected in the first round of the next NFL draft. I mean, that's hard to compete with. Saying that, Notre Dame, obviously I think, guys, Ian Book's going to have to play much, much better than he did in the ACC championship game against Clemson. Although, I mean, his pedigree is there, too. He's the all-time winningest coach at, at, in uh, history uh, and winningest quarterback in history, 30-4 uh, and four record at Notre Dame. So, I mean, it's impressive. I think a key to this is, obviously, Notre Dame's got to run the ball. They, they Listen, Alabama can't score if Smith, Jones, and Harris are sitting on the bench drinking water. They're going to have to run the ball. Uh, Kyron Williams uh, has rushed for over a thousand yards. You can certainly do He's it. Their offensive line, they've got a good offensive line, you know. And, and if I'm Notre Dame, I'm looking at that Ole Miss tape when Ole Miss, they, they, they had 268 yards rushing against Alabama and 647 uh, total yards against Alabama. So I'm really analyzing that tape, uh, that what, uh, what Ole Miss has done. But you have to give Alabama credit. Since then <laughs> – They've only allowed 91 yards rushing per game. So, they, they fixed what they needed to fix. Well, Corey, go ahead and speak to that about, about Ole Miss and their offense, you know, going hurry up, going multiple formations, giving them motions. And yep. you also saw that a week earlier, too, uh, with uh, Georgia. You saw, uh, you know, things that they did. So, speak to that. I mean, basically people need to understand how effective all that can do for you know, a lot of people call it just window dressing, but in actuality, that that's, that is the only way that they're going to get it going versus that Alabama potent defense. I mean, they're they're the most complete football team we've seen, and we, we say that every week, offensively, defensively, and special teams. I mean, now they got Devontae Smith back there returning punts. He took one to the house versus Arkansas. So uh, speak to that about offensively. What, what are some things you see they can do to Alabama? Well, again, you know, window dressing is a big key. I mean, if you can run the same play out of multiple formations with motions and, and threats of, of different options, I think if you can force Alabama's defense to play, not necessarily misdirection, but if even if you can just get them to play flat-footed a little bit and a, and a step late, you're going to open up some creases for Kyron Williams, which Ole Miss was able to successfully do. Georgia was able to successfully do with their running attack, which is why they're the only team in the in the in the entire SEC that had a lead on Alabama at halftime. Um, so I, I think just being able to get in a bunch set and 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 being able to run whatever your bunch package is, and then being able to motion out of that and back into it 
and things like that. I mean, what Ole Miss does a great job of is they use a they use the jet motion to, extremely well. Uh, they have this double option that they do, and sometimes they even have a triple option they do with the jet motion where they they fake the jet or they read it. Uh, and they ride the jet for, and then give the give the dive, or they'll give the jet, or or they'll they'll fake fake, and then flip it back out to the jet as he gets off onto the perimeter. Uh, they have great RPO. Um, they have a stick RPO that they do. They have a glance RPO that they do with the slot guy running a running a slant in there for over aggressive linebackers. And and so if you get Alabama kind of on their heels a little bit and reeling, then you throw in with those concepts, you do them quicker. It makes it tough. And so tempo and window dressing is for defenses is a nightmare because offensively, you know what you're doing. It's real simple. But defensively, like you can make the same play look like 30 different plays uh, just with formations and motions. And and tempo, you don't have time to think about it. It's, it's coming at you fast. And so that's what Ole Miss did a great job of. That's what Georgia, I think, started to do a great job of. And then they just – I think they were limited with Stetson Bennett, and they they ultimately fell on those limitations. But you know that that's kind of the, that's kind of the key for any defense, really, um, not just Alabama, but any defense is, is tempo and window dressing. All right, great points, great demonstration describing the effectiveness of what an offense can do and should do and has to do to keep a team like Alabama. And then I think Notre Dame can be aggressive on defense, try uh-huh. to. Try to you jump to some be. routes. Try to make something happen. You have to be. Uh, just just create havoc in other places. Uh-huh. And if they can hang with them and go through the first half, you know what happens is they get so far ahead of people that then you know Alabama can just play back and let it catch in front of you and tackle you. But uh, they just got you got to answer back and forth, back and forth. If they can get a couple stops. And, uh, you know, like they did against Clemson, you know, and when they beat Clemson, Notre Dame, they made some stops, albeit, you know, number one pick wasn't playing, Trevor Lawrence. But DJ Ugly, he's, he's still a great player. and He's going to yeah. be All-American in, in a year or two. I mean, so, they shut they shut down ETN. I mean, they ripped the ball from him. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just conservative football is dead, I think. Yeah. Conservative football is dead until you get a huge lead. Yeah. Um, and it's all about how can we overwhelm you? How can we overwhelm you? How can we overwhelm you offensively, defensively? How can we create havoc? Okay, we're going to take some shots. We're going to understand that if we miss this shot, this could be a big play. This is going to be a big play for us or for you. Um, offensively, we've got to, I mean, attack, 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 pedal to the metal. Kirby's finally realized that. I think Jeremy Pruitt's got to realize that, Craig. Uh, it's It's got to be, it, the pedal's got to be on the floor the whole time. Uh, Alabama's shown. Nick Saban is saying, "Oh, okay, Sark, pedal on the floor. Let's go." Um, I think Auburn with Brian Harrison, Brian Harson, they're going to be pedal to the floor. I think everybody's starting to realize that conservative football, you know, grunt and punt and let your defense do the work (laughs) ain't going to win you ball games. Uh, I love the grunt and punt. I love that. It's killed Georgia in big games. but yeah. grunt and punt, I, I think, is, is when, awesome. when it's working, it's ground and pound. When it's not, it's grunt and punt. Um, yeah. It's killed Georgia in big games. Um, yeah. It's killed a lot of teams in big games, but I've seen it personally uh, up close uh, and, and killed, it's killed the dogs. It killed the dogs in the national championship game. They went, they went ultra-conservative in the second half, pure Jim Chaney all the way. Uh, conservative in the second half, let Bama back in the ballgame, and the rest is history. So, Craig, I think, you know, 
does this point spread hold up? It's it's it keeps dropping. It's seventeen and a half now. It started the week at twenty, I think twenty and a half. Now it's seventeen and a half. It's going to probably be fourteen and a half by kickoff. Do are you buying this uh, for Notre Dame or, or are you taking the are you taking the tide? I, you know, Corey, I, I'm taking the points in this game um, I, because, and I'm not saying necessarily that that Notre Dame's going to keep it close. But I, I, I can envision what's called a backdoor cover in this game where Notre Dame scores late to cover that spread. Uh, do I think that they're going to be in the ball game? No, I do not. I, I think Alabama will dominate this ball game. Uh, but, again, just like in the SEC championship game when you had Florida score late and, again, a backdoor cover, I anticipate that again. I think the, I think – that's what's going to happen in this game. But I, I, I think – I anticipate Alabama getting out to a big lead and just kind of coasting and then Notre Dame scoring late to cover the 17-and-a-half. Kurt? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. I, I think that's a point well taken. I think that can happen. I think that probably will happen. I, I see it being much closer throughout the game. I, I see – I know Notre Dame, they have improved on the lines of scrimmage. They, they have gone and decided – They've gone to the inner. They've gone inside out, meaning they have really developed their defensive and offensive line play to to combat Alabama, to combat Clemson's those people. I think the year of them being in the ACC has really helped them because everybody in the ACC is is targeting a Clemson. So everything you do from North Carolina, all the teams you have you have to set your program on a, on a true north to beat Clemson if you're an ACC. If you're an SEC, you got a true north to beat Alabama. If not, you know, you're going to be wallowing in, in uh, mediocrity, you know. You're not going to be any good. So you got to go beat the best and do what the best does and beat them. And so I, I see Notre Dame has done that. They're much better on offensive line play, defensive line play. So I don't think they'll get manhandled up front. I see them really concentrating on stopping. I hate to say they're stopping Nazi Harris. And hopefully they can hold down number six. I, th- I think he's – I think he's – guys, I think he's – we ain't talked about the Heisman Trophy. I think he's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. I think all three quarterbacks have split the vote. I think Florida's quarterback, Alabama's quarterback, and Clemson's quarterback, I think they all split the quarterback vote. And I think he got all the votes for anybody that ever likes any other position. And let's, let's – you know, it's not a quarterback award. And I think it – I think – Hopefully people realize that, you know, the yeah. guy's great. Yeah. And is he the one that makes them tick? I'm I'm, yeah. I'm one to say Absolutely. yes. So Absolutely. I love Mac Jones. I love Tua. But, you know, he was the ringleader a year ago with another group of receivers that are all starting in the NFL now and making, like, big plays and big rookie plays. So I mean, he caught the I second think, and 26 to win the national yeah. championship. Yeah. So, so, so I think I think uh, could be the Heisman Trophy winner. But that's going to be after our game we're talking about. But I see a great, I see a great game happening. Yeah. You know, and, and it, yes, I'm biased because we've got the we've got the Notre Dame Vanderbilt connection, and I want Notre Dame to do very well. Uh, and and uh, you know, and and I, and I always root for underdogs, so yeah. I'm going to go for the underdogogs. Guys, that, that's okay. It. You're not a robot. I agree with you. I agree with you guys that I think Kelly needs to have a go for broke uh, mentality in this. For example. If you get the opening kickoff and you go down and score against Alabama, you kick an onside kick. 
keep the momentum and keep driving. Like I said, I think get them on their heels. You know, get Alabama's yeah. defense on the hill and, and go from there. I think he's got to have a go-for-broke attitude about this ball game for them to stay in it and do some non-conventional coaching things uh, that most of coaches uh, that have been around as long as he has will not do. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go point. super conservative, you're yeah. going to get your, you know, what handed to you. Um, if you go for broke and it doesn't work, you're going to get your, you know what, handed to you. So it really doesn't matter. Go for I broke. Think, I think, Corey, you said it earlier, Coach Burton, the Ole Miss film, Craig Ladd, you said it, Ole Miss film, and, and the guy that coaches at Ole Miss, he goes for it on fourth down. The team already knows it, and I think that's already conveyed to uh, uh, the, the quarterback, uh, Tommy, uh, the offense coordinator. Tommy Reese. I think he already – they know that. They've been practicing that. Mm-hmm. They know – Clark Lee knows this is going to go down. You know, anywhere from the 30 to the other 30, they're going to probably go for it. I mean, you're going to yeah. go for it. I mean, they, number six can score just as easy from your own 30 than your 30. He can score. He can go 70. He can go 30. He can go 90. It doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. So, go for it. And that's where Ole Miss did, and they just kept going for it, and they went for it. And they just and, ran out of gas. Yeah, they ran out of gas. They and, had a uh, late turnover, I think, that, that made the yeah, difference in they, that. Yeah, it was back and forth. And yeah. so, uh, but you're right, Craig Ladd, totally right. Um, just go for it. And, you know, and, and make that, you know, riverboat gambler, you know. Now, if it's, you know, even Kiffin will punt if it's fourth and double digits, you know. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to punt. Gotta you punt. Know, some, you know, so, but anything closer, go for it, man. And your kids, they'll play, they'll play their hearts out. And they know, they, the kids know. They're listening. They may they may be listening to our to our chatter and hey, but they missed down on coaching chatter. Let's go for it, coach. You know, yeah. let's, let's try to let's win go. the game. Come on, Coach Reese. Come yeah. on, Coach Kelly. Um, yes. And I, I hope you guys are right. I, I I hope it's a close game. I hope it's a tight game. I hope Notre Dame can prove themselves, just for the sake of the fact that I'm tired of hearing all the they got it wrong chatter, like my pun there. Um, so. But I have a hard time picking against Alabama right now because they're, I didn't think it was going to get much better than 2019 LSU. It, it has. Uh, it's 2020 Bama. This offense is historically good. Uh, no one can stop them. No one can come close to stopping them. I, I just think they're going to overwhelm Notre Dame, unfortunately. And I don't think Notre Dame, as aggressive as they can be, as aggressive as they want to be, I just don't think it's going to matter because they're just going to, you know – Alabama plays the same way, and Alabama's going to keep keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing like their hair's on fire. And I just think they're going to overwhelm them with points. And I think with this point spread keep uh, that that keeps falling, I think that falls more in favor of picking Alabama because they've covered big spreads all year long, except for that Florida game, which I think honestly I think Florida's better than than Notre Dame right now with all their weapons. So I, I'm taking the tide. So let's uh, let's move to uh, before we before we roll out of here. Uh, let's move quickly to the nightcap, the uh, the All State Sugar Bowl. That game is actually being played in New Orleans still. Uh, that hasn't that venue has not changed. Uh, that 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 leaves uh, Clemson versus Ohio State. Some would say Ohio State with only six games played didn't deserve a shot at being in here. I still think they're one of the four best teams, irregardless of their record or how many games they played, whatever the case may be. I think Northwestern is better than everybody's giving them credit for because they're Northwestern. Um, nobody's giving them any love. But they played a great game against Ohio State. 
How does that factor into this game? Uh, Clemson looked impressive in the ACC championship uh, against a reeling Notre Dame team. They 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 wobbled Notre Dame early, and they just never let them off the mat. Can Clemson do that to Ohio State, Kurt? Um, yeah, I, I think Clemson can, and they will. Uh, I've just got one thing for Dabo. You know, given a uh, number eleven pick for not putting Ohio State in the top ten, I, I guess he's got to say the same thing about his quarterback. He didn't play a full schedule either, right? Right. So I guess he can't be the Heisman Trophy winner. So yeah. you can't have it both ways, Dabo. But uh, you're you're one hell of a coach. You're going to do a great job. I think they're going to put the hammer down. And uh, I just don't know if Ohio State can stay with them. I don't think they will. I don't think they're ready to. I think history repeats itself. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, is uh, Clemson, uh, you know, when, when, they're, when they're running back, you know, let's look at this. Clemson's running back return. And Alabama's running back return. Uh-huh. And they are, if not the best two running backs tandem in SEC, maybe, I mean, I compare them like to Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker back in the day, you know? Yeah. They're uh, that good. And yeah. now they both can catch. Yep. And they both can run routes. And they're, they both can blitz pickups. So they're coming back for this extra year. Whoever they go with in the draft, first round, is going to make the NFL. They're going to make their team two, three, four wins better. So – I see Alabama. I see Alabama winning uh, close against Notre Dame. If we go back to that, and then but I see Clemson, Travis, ATN just putting on a show uh, versus the uh, pride Ohio of State. New Orleans. Yeah. yeah, Craig, how do how do you see this thing? Is it are you seeing blowout city? Or are you seeing a tight game like last year's Fiesta Bowl? I think it's going to be a tight game. I, I think this game will be much tighter throughout the game than the Alabama Notre Dame game. Um, You know, similar to Notre Dame, uh, Ohio State's going to run. They're going to have to run the ball. And, I mean, obviously an impressive 399 yards uh, rushing against Northwestern. Trey Sermon was unbelievable. He had had 331 of that. You know, they got another uh, kid, Master Teague, that's also a good running back. Um, Blackman High School. yeah, absolutely. I think Justin Fields is going to have to play better in this ball game. He he did not play very well against Northwestern. He was shaky. At, yeah, he only passed for 114 yards and had two interceptions. Obviously, they ran for 399, so that helps things out. Uh, you know, and like I said, similarly, I think Ohio State wants to keep Clemson's offense off the field. You know, we talked about Alabama's three. You know, Clemson has Amari Rogers is a really, really good wide receiver, ETN, and then Trevor Lawrence. Those three, you got to keep those guys off the field. And by doing that, you're going to be running the ball. So, obviously, Ohio State is going to want to shove the ball down Clemson's throat and keep that offense off the field. Uh, with that, I like Clem- uh, Ohio State in this game. I'm taking the dogs in both games. I like Ohio State in this ball game. I think they're going to be able to run the ball and keep Clemson off the field. Yeah, to me, I mean, it's not going to be easy running the ball against against uh, Clemson's defense. I, I I don't think, you know, I think the difference in Northwestern and Clemson is paramount. I mean, obviously Northwestern, a very admirable effort um, in that Big Ten championship, but they like like many teams, they just got out talented. They just ran out of gas, and they had a couple momentum changing plays early in the second half that just derailed their efforts uh, in, in such a great first half um, on their part. So uh, for Clemson, if you stop Trey Sermon and you take away Chris Olave, uh, which is more than likely Justin Fields' first read, 
and you attack the mesh on the RPO, you will have no issues with Ohio State. And that's the recipe for a blowout because if you get if you can get Trevor Lawrence on the field as much as possible with the weapons that he has, it ain't going to be close. However, if Trey Sermon can get loose, Master Teague can get loose, and they can hit a couple passes here and there to move the chains, I like Ohio State to at least, worst case scenario, cover. But I think they have a legitimate shot at winning this game. Defensively, they can make some plays too. They're just going to have to make them, which in a lot of cases they did not make them against Northwestern. So, Kurt, I, I'm I like Clemson. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't I don't think it's going to be a, a, a nail biter. I think it's going to be one of those where it's tight for a little while and then Clemson kind of just pulls away. I think Clemson's going to win during the warmups. Big. I think Clemson's going to win when the game starts big, and I think at the end of the game, they're going to be winning big. I think Clemson blows them out. I don't see – I see the most dysfunctional team out of these four, due to COVID and due to the conference they're in, they don't have continuity. I've never seen continuity – I haven't seen any continuity from anybody in the Big Ten. So, Kurt, Nobody. is Clemson in their heads, though, mentally, like all these mind well, tricks, gonna, that, do I they was, work? I, yeah, well, it's, it's not only mind tricks. I think – I think Ohio State knows that Dabo knows. And when you know that the other person knows and you know that the other person knows and they know and they know all that, then that, that it's going to be a blowout. I think it's a blowout. Thank goodness they're not down there the whole week because it would be just a shell shocking, you know, 21 nothing in the first quarter. It's probably going to be 10 to nothing, 17 nothing in the first quarter. I see Ohio State, they don't have J.K. Dobbins. No offense to Master T. His uh, grandfather was one of my teachers at Rebecca. I love him. But he's not J.K. Dobbins, uh, the the you know the the other running back. Serving. He's not J.K. He you know he you know they dropped off there. And then I think the lack of continuity through the Big Ten conference. It's not Ohio State's fault. I mean, if we didn't have if we didn't have uh, Justin Fields, we, the Big Ten might not even played. I mean, remember back? He's a guy that started the the uh, the, the the Twitter. He started the Facebook page, yeah. signed the page. We want to play. You know, here's a guy that's a first round pick. You know, did his Probably stock go up? overall? Yeah, his, his stock didn't go. wasn't going to go up. wasn't going to go down. He was, if they have a season or not. So he's the one that stepped out. I think he's the leader, but I think he has had to press this whole season. I think he's exhausted. I think I can't even imagine the guy. I think it's more similar to like the NFL players union way back when they would try to get a. a, a teams that held out and they would, uh, uh, you know, uh, there would be lockouts. I think he kind of – he's gone through that, man. He's been the spokesperson for the Big Ten and, and by and large the spokesperson for college football to have a season. I think he's exhausted. I think he's pressed. I don't think he's had his receivers. I think he's had to run the ball more. I think, you know, in, in two games back, I think he was the leading rusher and nothing was happening. He just had to – you know, run and get the – was it Indiana game? No, the Indiana, they had a big lead and they came back to you know, Indiana. But but I think it's a blowout. I don't think it's a game. It, it's going to be – it's going to be named the score by Clemson, and they're going to name the score because they know that Trevor Lawrence – and they all love Trevor Lawrence. They love ATN. And they're going to – they're going to – they may not get the Heisman Trophy from one of the two of those guys, but they're going to get to the final game. They're going to get it in a big way. And they're going to give Alabama – if Notre Dame were to shock them at the end of the game with a field goal, you know, but but I think 
you know, how, how fitting that would be to get the three-peat, you know, get the, the trifecta, get the, exactly. the concluding game. So I know I my wife hopes you're right. Yeah, I, I think it's a blowout, guys. <laughs> I really think it's a blowout. There's no continuity there. They had the longest sitting out rule, 21. They've lifted that a little bit to 13 days. I yeah. mean, Big Ten, they got into the big show. More power to them. Let's finish the season. Justin Fields goes to uh, New York Jets or maybe the Patriots. I don't know what's going to happen to the NFL, but blowout city. Clemson big. Well, all right. Well, let's put a let's put a bow on that. My wife wears orange and purple. Um, she is a Clemson grad, so I know she hopes you're right. She hopes that I'm right, Craig. She hopes that you're wrong. No offense. Um, <laughs> some of the other bowl games happening uh, outside of the playoff uh, last night. Texas routed Colorado. Not much to talk about there. Uh, some injuries happened for Colorado. Just wasn't much of a game kicking off in about 30 minutes is uh wisconsin uh oklahoma florida uh tonight that game lost a lot of its luster when i think three quarters of florida's offense has opted out uh tomorrow you got mississippi state tulsa which is very very interesting san jose state looking at their first bowl game and maybe ever against ball state uh, you have uh, leading kicking off New Year's Day, Georgia, Cincinnati. That's an interesting one. Auburn Northwestern is a very interesting game. And then, of course, uh, a matchup that I'm intrigued by or uh, on January 2nd, there's three of them actually, Ole Miss, Indiana, Oregon, Iowa State, and A&M, North Carolina. Any of those games? Kurt, which, what's the one game that stands out to you the most out of those I just listed? Uh, great, great question. I think North Carolina losing their running back, opting out. And Texas A&M having to put putting a, a signature stamp on if they should have been the fourth team. I look for them to come out, blaze the guns, firing, and getting after it. Uh, I think Mac Brown's a great coach. I think he's done a great job with Sam Howell. But that's the game I'm looking forward to watching to see if Texas A&M is going to make a huge statement because this can catapult them into a, a top two, three ranking going into 21 season. And, uh, and one thing I'd like to talk about is San Jose State, Auditioning head coach for the Arizona job. I think that's that's going to be happening. I think I look for them putting on a show as well. They in, in Arizona the hired their boy Ted uh, Jed Fish. They so, hired. Oh, they hired. Okay, the, yeah. the longtime offense coordinator been yeah. in Michigan and yeah. multiple but, places, UCLA. Yeah, that's and he's already hire. made okay. a defensive coordinator hire, Don Brown. Okay, there you go. It says coach so, of chatter. You know, yeah. we come to this, we come to this live, and there's not a lot of prep. But hey, congratulations, Arizona! I think that's a great hey, hire. Hey, don't the guy pull knows back the, the curtain. He he knows he knows the uh, he knows the landscape out there, yeah. and uh, we're growing we're growing together as a, as a staff here and coaching chatter. Looking for yeah. that great 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 pool right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, Craig, what what game are you looking forward to the most outside of the playoff? Well, a couple of them. Uh, I think the Georgia-Cincinnati game is going to be interesting. I, I want to see, quote, how legit Cincinnati is. And then on the other side, is Georgia – are they buying in? Are they saying, man, we should, you know, we should add a better season. We're the energy has been great in practice from what I've read. Yeah. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to see because, I, obviously, we've seen bowl games where teams were very disinterested in being in the game and they've been – they've been beaten as a result of it. So that's going to be interesting because you're going to have Cincinnati. They, they're going to say, hey, we're playing an SEC game. We're playing a top-notch SEC game, team, I should say. And we want, to show, we want to show the nation that we should have been higher ranked and possibly been 
in the playoffs. I think another game, interesting game, is going to be that Ole Miss-Indiana game. It's going to be very interesting for me uh, just because of the, I guess, the differing of, of philosophies as far as it goes for I, for Ole Miss and Indiana. I think both those teams are very good, very good football teams. Ole Miss, you know, obviously, I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game because Ole Miss obviously has not played any defense all year. So yeah. I, I think that will be a really, really good ball game also. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think Kirby got burned on the whole, like, not motivated, uh, got distracted by all the opt-outs uh, two years ago against Texas. He got burned by that. I think he learned from that. Last year they had almost as many um, opt-outs in the bowl game against Baylor, and they still came out victorious. I think they have a better, way better offense. Uh, talent-wise, not really, but they have a way better philosophy and scheme and you know they're, they're just playing with their hair on fire right now so I think things have changed a little bit in that dynamic but I'll be interested to see if Desmond Ritter how he does against an SEC caliber defense uh, the the game that intrigues me a whole lot is the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl uh, Oregon versus Iowa State I think Iowa State had some very unfortunate luck in the uh, in the in the Big Twelve title game against Oklahoma, I think they had every shot at winning that game. They got down early, clawed their way back, had some bad luck. Oregon kind of cruised uh, against USC, and no matter how tight that score was, Oregon was always in control of that game. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see. These are two like rock star coaches in waiting. Um, like Cristobal and and Matt Campbell are two guys that are sitting just below the radar but are extremely gifted coaches and are doing a tremendous job with their respective programs as far as getting them on a high level. I think Iowa State might be have some staying power in the Big 12, which is not much to say, but you know, you got Texas who had a good showing last night, but Iowa State is I, I think is here to stay. Oregon I think is set to take over the Pac-12 um, for the first time since uh, Chip Kelly left. And so this will be an interesting matchup to see kind of what philosophy wins out, you know, how, how this game plays with, with two very maligned conferences, as far as defense and overall football go. Um, I think you're going to see Iowa state probably has more continuity with their season, which, uh, which is why I think they, they come out on top, but their, their revolutionary uh, defensive philosophy with that three, three high safety uh, scheme that they employ on, on defense. So does Matt Campbell, what, what, what do you like about Matt Campbell, Kurt? Well, I think he's a great and upcoming coach. I think he's developed his players. I think he's found his home for Iowa State. I think he resonates in that community. He loves uh, recruiting the farmers. The farmers love him. I think he's a Midwestern guy. Uh, you know, maybe eventually he moves to a, a, a seat like the Michigan seat maybe. But I think Luke Fickle is a guy for that seat when it opens up. But I'd like the one thing i like for us to mention, and Coach Purdy mentioned this early on in the show, was the offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, at Oregon. I think he he put on a show in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, uh-huh. throwing his RPOs, hitting the tight ends in the flat, uncovered walk-in touchdowns. He yeah. had them so off balance. I think he puts on an audition for some SEC offensive coordinator spots. I think yeah. he knows uh-huh. there's some openings in those seats. He got a taste of SEC football at Mississippi State. I think he um, wants that LSU job. Yeah, I think I think Big he time. wants to get back in, into this area. I think uh, you know he was under James Franklin at Penn State. He was a longtime head coach at Division One AA's place up in East East Eastern United States. But I think he's he's getting 
he wants to get back here. So audition goes for him. But, yeah, I could go with Iowa State winning. But, you know, Oregon is – they're pretty salty on defense and all. Yeah. And they're going to have great uniforms. They're, they're, so they're sporty, yeah. I, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the best team that has the best uniforms. That's where I'm going to go. You look good, like prime time. You, you look, look good, good, you play, play good, good, you feel good. They pay good. They you pay look good. good, you play good, they pay good. So, hey, yep. Jackson State, a little plug for prime time. Number one recruiting class. Uh, and this is getting in Craig Ladd's area with Tennessee State football. Jackson State football, I guess, I don't know if we'll get to play them later in the spring, but we got so much coaching chatter to, to get to in 21. Yeah. I'm so excited it's, about that. It's going to be great. Um, so prediction, real quick before we before we let you go, uh, uniform prediction for Oregon. Kurt? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just – I can't wait. I just I just can't wait to see what they look like. I'm I going – I can see – I hope I can see the numbers, you know. Yeah. I I'm going. I can see the numbers. I'm going – I'm going <laughs> yellow highlighter. Yellow okay. highlighter with the green okay. lid. Okay. And I know, Craig Ladd, you hate all this. You're the Penn State, Alabama, Tennessee. You got upset when Tennessee wore their smoky jerseys. I know, right? I did, yes. I just speak to all that. Here <laughs> the old Coach and I, there. you know, we're 629, you know, uh, disciples and putting a 629, you know, in the age that tore you up too at Hillwood High School back in the day. But, hey. You know, anything you get to the playoffs four years in a row, never been done, wasn't done, you know, it's just – it's fun time. But yeah. speak to some of that, Coach Ladd. <laughs> well, I get it. Uh, and I'll say this. My son, who's 22 now, when Oregon really started to well, – under Chip Kelly, uh, he, he's wanting Oregon stuff for Christmas. You know, he loved all the uniforms and the snazziness, and he loved all the high-flying high, high offense. So, I get it. I do. I get it. I get why I do that. But – Again, I'm more of a traditionalist. Uh, you are what you are. Is these these are your colors? This is your uniform, and that's it. Well, Oregon well, is not sense. straying away from their colors. They're staying within their color scheme, which is totally fine with me. You know, Georgia wears the black jersey. That's in their color scheme. Tennessee, smoky gray. That's part of it. The, they're in the Smokies. That's you can tie that in. If if Auburn came out with orange jerseys. Cool. Florida wears the blue helmets. It's in their color scheme. I don't have any problem with that, as long as you don't stray too far. When Georgia went with the Power Ranger uniforms in 2011 against Boise State, I was pissed. Those were awful. Still in the well, same think, color scheme, yeah, but those were well, I think, awful. I think, I think, Craig, that's why you and I are great business partners. We have a great company, Soy Athletic Training. Just a plug to that. In 21, we're going to have our second round of camp. We're going to have a January 31st. It's going to be – we're extending it. It's going to be an extra hour because we're growing and we want to have a seven-on-seven uh, producer out of that camp. So all the young men uh, from third grade to eighth grade, we're going to have a great camp January 31st. More will be talked about that later, but we're developing the youth football uh, in, the, in the SEC footprint. And uh, and that's why Craig Lyde and I are going to make a great camp and then have Coach Corey Burton in there working. Uh, he, he's a multitask guy. He can work the running backs offense coordinator. So really he's the guy overseeing the offense for SOAR athletic training as we grow into the 707. We're just looking forward to great things, coaching chatter. Did you just name me lead author of the offense? Yeah, yeah, you got it, man. Because, you know, I like walking around. I like watching the DBs. I like watching the linebackers. So as we grow to that into February, March, and April, we're going to go and and play in some 707 and get that organized. Yeah. Uh, Craig Ladd is working right now with our logo, getting some some new hats and bills out there so we can get the marketing going in the 21 season. So 
yeah. looking for great things, coaching chatter. This is a great, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to, to be connected with football and share our knowledge. Uh, Coach Burton's been around many, many teams and seen great things. Coach Ladd's been around many, many teams, seen great things. And I've been blessed to have the same thing. So we look forward to passing on this knowledge, information to all that are joining our podcast. So it's we, great we, ought to, we ought to write a book. So book uh, is happening. Yes, we, sir. We, we, can, we can talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, that's going to do it for us for this episode. Uh, this is called Bowl Mania, the title of this episode, Bowl Mania, uh, because there's a lot of mania happen with uh, not only coaching movement, but bowl games as well. So, um, and, and that's that's kind of a marketed term for this, this time of year anyway. So uh, we're glad to be back with you uh, on this Bowl Mania extravaganza for Kurt Page and Craig Ladd. I'm Corey Burton. want to thank our sponsor, betonline.ag, and our soon-to-hopefully-be-official sponsor, Soar Athletic Training, when it find, when it soars off the ground, we're going to uh, it's going to be a big part of what we do here on the Coaching Chatter podcast here on the Believe Podcasting Network. So for Kurt and Craig, uh, we wish you a happy new year. We will see you in 2021. Enjoy the games. Have a great weekend. We will see you back here next week to break down these bowl games, to talk about, to opt in, to opt out uh, the playoff system and all that good stuff. What changes we want to make. Uh, to all of that stuff if we were given the power. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you and have a great day. Happy New Year. Stay safe. Bingo. And For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.